Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the fully mature mandrake of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who could have told you Lockhart didn't know what was going on. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? Quite well. Doing quite well, given the circumstances. Yeah, I think uh, to all of our listeners, we hope your lockdown state is going well, however way your local government decide to implement it. <laughs> this is the perfect... Down than Lockhart. <laughs> this is the perfect time to be petrified. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we see here later on, I have questions about the quality of medical care these particular petrified victims are getting. Um, So we have some segments that we are going to go through here. We have a rapid-fire recap. Um, We have BJ's uh, wizard wheezes. Um, Spencer, you have some newbies notes. We have house points that we award. And um, then I have been foretold and forewarned that there are a lot of questions questions. tonight. (laughs) Just a few. Okay, well, that's going to happen. So given that our <laughs> listeners might be under some sort of memory charm, we have a quick recap that we should start out with. Yes, indeed. I um, <laughs> I, th- I think I'm under two minutes on this. It's going to be close, I think. This is a pretty dense I know, chapter. We are, we are near the end of the book, and it just gets more and more challenging as we go forward. So I don't know, Spencer. We'll see. Uh, do you have... Your giant novelty clock, stopwatch, hourglass. I have a giant novelty. I don't think you have a time turner, so. (laughs) No, the giant novelty stopwatch is here and ready to go. All right. So the good news is that the mandrakes are ready for cutting and brewing. So maybe they didn't have to tell anyone about Myrtle, except for the monster, except for the fact that the monster is still somewhere in the castle. Jenny comes over to tell Ron something, but Percy interrupts and scares her off because of course he does. Harry uses Lockhart's uh, need for primping time as an opportunity to go between classes unsupervised and duck into Myrtle's bathroom. But McGonagall catches them and they, uh, have to claim that they're going to see Hermione. McGonagall tears up, lets them go. Harry notices a piece of paper scrunched up in Hermione's hand. They pry it out and discover what Hermione rushes rushed off to the library for, information on basilisks, which she has figured out is the monster. She's even told them how it's moving around through the pipes. They run to the staff room to tell McGonagall, but on the way there's an announcement ordering everyone back to their dormitories. Harry and Ron uh, hide in the teacher's lounge and find out that the heir of Slytherin has taken Jenny Weasley and left a message. Her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. The teachers are distraught, except for Lockhart, who wanders in just in time to be volunteered to uh, go to the chamber and figure this out. With him out of the way, the teachers make plans to close Hogwarts. Harry and Ron decide they have to tell Lockhart what they know since he's going into the chamber. They walk in on him packing, ready to run for it. Turns out he didn't do any of the things in his books, but he's really, really good at memory charms. He's about to wipe Harry and Ron's memory when Harry expelliarmuses him and takes his wand. And they march him down to Myrtle's bathroom. Delighted to be finally asked about her death, Myrtle tells them that she was in the bathroom when a boy came in, said something weird, she saw giant yellow eyes, and she died. Harry goes to investigate, finds a small snake scratched into the sink tap, and after several false starts, Parcel tongues his way into a secret passage. They make Lockhart jump down the tunnel first and follow him through the pipes. They land with a thud in a very wet, rat-scully place and find what turns out to be a giant snakeskin. Lockhart fakes a faint and then lunges for Ron's wand, gets it, tries to wipe his memory, and Ron's wand backfires. 
causing a cave-in in the tunnel with Ron and Lockhart on one side, Harry on the other, and Lockhart having no idea where he is. Ron starts to shift rock. Harry takes off to find Jenny. He finds another snake-encrusted door, hisses it open, and steps through. 13 seconds over, but close enough. This was a dense damn chapter. Excellent. I will, t- I will take that, in all honesty. <laughs> it's a lot of ground to cover. I mean... As you said, when we ever get to the end of these books, it feels like the author just suddenly wants to complete the plot in the course of, like, two chapters. I kind of wonder if, like, we could just read, like, the last four chapters of each book and essentially get the book. <laughs> just, you know, read it in German style. It's like, this is very efficient. <laughs> um, so BJ, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, alliteration and other things that we would miss. Yes, you would have to come up with a new segment, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, um, speaking of, what do you have for us tonight? So, so I have one thing that I really have to mention, um, because we've sort of made jokes about there being um, a subtle mm, sexual overtone that could be uh, interpreted from the book. Okay. And, and then, like, she basically just says it. I mean, doesn't quite say it, but kind of. Um, and, and so that was kind of funny to me. The, uh, Ginny er walked in on me the other day when I was, well, never mind. The point is she spotted me doing something and I, um, I asked her not to mention it to anybody and I did think she'd keep her word. I mean, it's nothing like we're just not going to talk about it. So, so we find out exactly what that is in later chapters. He was probably polishing his prefect badge. (laughs) If you know what I mean. Well, in his case, it might be literal. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. uh, I, that was actually going to be one of my questions later, but what is this shame that Percy's unwilling to admit? <laughs> Percy is the lone Catholic of all of this group. <laughs> <laughs> he was fingering his rosary. So um, the other thing that I just, I, I really enjoyed is that I like that J.K. Rowling is acknowledging how dumb Harry is, or at least how slow on his feet he is. Because the, um, or we're going to go see Jenny, uh, Hermione, and th- that's, like, what we're doing in the, the halls. Ron's just like, wow, you weren't dumb for once. This is amazing. <laughs> there was a lot of stuttering to get him there, though. <laughs> but he eventually got there, which is, you know, we're all proud of. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it is really interesting having a uh, chapters without Hermione there, because, like you said, BJ... These guys can be dumb. Or at least they don't plan long term. They have an objective and they go to solve that objective without thinking to any degree about what they can do to prep for that moment. Like, Harry's plan is the base minimum cover story you could have, but he just thinks it's genius that he thought of it on the fly. Well, and somehow it sort of, it has somehow resonated with McGonagall in ways that I don't think anyone, oh, like, yeah. actually expected to happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they sort I think of this stumbled like... into that one. Yeah, this is, what's the least trouble we could get into sneaking off to do something? Oh, this. And McGonagall's like, oh, okay, like, I understand that you're vaguely people. <laughs> Just like, even the stage directions seem shocked that McGonagall reacted that way. Because they're even describing his tears coming out of her small, beady little eyes. <laughs> it's like, they, they can't make the visual complete for how heartwarming it could be just because it doesn't work. So, so yeah, I'll turn it over to uh, Newbie's Notes, and I'm curious what you have in this dense chapter. Uh, a few things to point out. Uh, <laughs> honestly, this was one of my... This was not my top half of the chapters mm-hmm. in this book. Uh, I thought there were a lot of things here that were very convenient, uh, and other things that were just kind of odd or dumb. It still had some great moments, but 
this one just felt like I'm going to very much wrap up the plot as neatly as a bow as possible, and it came across as a bit forced. There were a few things I did quite enjoy, though. Uh, one thing, I do enjoy the ever-now-and-then just offhand depictions of characters being very powerful. Like, for example, here in this chapter, when uh, Neville accidentally apparently evaporates like the bottom leg of his chair, before the table can even fall, or the uh, bottom leg of his table, before the table can fall, McGonagall just waves her hand and it just reappears. Which, I had reason to believe McGonagall was probably a pretty powerful wizard, but it's nice to have these kind of moments offhand between her, or even Molly Weasley in her prior chapters, that you don't need to explicitly just say this is an incredible powerful person. Showing me it is effective, and I like these mm -hmm. moments. The fact that they're turning rabbits into slippers is keeping to a theme we've seen before that is both hilarious and animal cruelty. <laughs> we previously saw it with mice and snuff boxes, which made no sense, but rabbits to slippers definitely has a nice, consistent theme attached to it. Don't know if they're coming back or just everyone gets free slippers for this day of class? We'll see. Percy's secret is a question I'm going to ask you about because I don't care if it's a spoiler. I'm curious what this guy is too ashamed to admit. It probably is something utterly insignificant <laughs> given how uptight he is. I can't imagine it's a big deal at all. It's even the fact that he's willing to start talking about it to a certain degree. Who knows? Uh, the fact that McGonagall is a big softie about that moment with Harry is cute and surprising. I mean, we've seen before that she, that this very stoic exterior she puts up may, to a certain degree, be an act, but this just kind of proves it. Just the, a demonstration, even the suggestion of true friendship, and she just collapses. All of the veneer of just rigid administrative uh, mentality is just gone. And as you said, BJ, the fact that Harry thinks this plan is just the height of cleverness, just an utterly genius strategy... Again, just shows that these guys exist in hindsight rather than foresight. They're not going to plan out a damn thing before they do it. And it could occasionally hurt them, as shown with some of their plans in this chapter. Uh, as for the paper in Hermione's fist, are you telling me that the level of care that these patients are getting are that they did not notice that? Are these patients still wearing the same clothes that they've been wearing for, like, the last three months? What bed sores are these people suffering from if you're not examining enough to find out that she's got a very obvious piece of paper in her hand? This was a person you just knew just got attacked and you're looking for clues and you're not going to check that? I'm worried about what investigation they're putting into this. Also, the idea that Hermione would tear a library book page to take this information is shocking to me. Like, I would not have ever said that she'd been capable of that. That seems... I mean... Just the even fact that she did it, I can just picture her inner turmoil in trying in making that decision before pulling it off. Because that seems so out of character. To damage school property for any purpose? Okay. She's she's clearly crossed her Rubicon line and is willing to do anything necessary to bring, to, to uh, get this situation resolved. As for what the library book says, all I can say is, well, that is a very on-point summary of every single detail you've previously provided in this book. <laughs> That is just a very convenient list of, please look back through what I've done and see all the foreshadowing I have made. I gave you none of this information in advance so that you can know it was foreshadowed, but be content that I had a long-term plan attached to it. I find that to a degree rather frustrating. Uh, frustrating also just in the sense that if this information was publicly available, all of these details have been out there for people who actually would have this information to be able to put it together. If it is this neat of a list of every single of these little boxes being checked, how did one of the teachers, or at least the librarian, not know this? They've got experts on myth, I'm, pre I'm presuming. 
I think you mentioned the last episode, there's a teacher of myth at this school. How did one of them not know from memory that all of these very obvious checkboxes are in place? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not that common of a creature, and Hermione's just that ridiculously, excessively well-studied that she's the only one that's actually read about this, but, eh, who knows. Uh, no, having looked up a little bit about Basilisk and knowing a little bit in advance, it, most of these details are on for the myth, except for the spider part, which is really interesting. Hmm. I can't find anything about Basilisk and spiders having anything to do with each other. Everything else has a root in mythology. That part seems to be something that J.K. Rowling added in. And Sarah, get ready for it, but I'm going to ask you why she added that in. Okay. What the, Does the fandom have theories about this? Because it seems like it's an interesting addition to what otherwise is a pretty consistent mythology. Also, the reflection part is, I'll just say convenient, uh, for the idea for why none of these people are dead. Because that seems like a lot of circumstances in a row of people dodging a bullet. If this thing can literally kill you with a stare, that's a lot of people that this creature must be getting really frustrated at or not looking at it directly. Like, how many people do we have petrified now? People and ghosts and cats, for that matter. It's like, seven, eight, all in a row have somehow dodged this bullet of where even a casual glance at this thing will kill you. Except if you're a ghost, you're already dead. That makes sense. Also, well, I thought uh, the mythology was such that uh, mirror would protect you. Uh, that's actually Medusa. That, that, that's tied into that myth of actual petrification. Basilisk, I think you're just kind of screwed. I will also point out that we are in the second book and we are not, like, prepared for death in this series yet. This, this is no George R. R. Martin, <laughs> Spencer. Just hey, we have hey, to build we, there. We've had unicorns die. We've had a professor that is very obviously killed by Dumbledore. <laughs> there, we've had no on-screen death yet. Fine, fine. We've had it certainly talked about to a great degree. They are building us up to have the idea in our heads, but yeah, okay, fine. We're not literally there for people to die yet. Just have lots of dead people around constantly. Uh, I am over... One thing, one scene about this chapter that I just absolutely adored is just having it proven how much none of the other professors can stand Lockhart at all. And are just so happy to spend a moment taking the piss out of him. They all... Unite together to just mock him roundly, just to get him out of the way because of how frustrated they are to have him. It also is nice to have a Lockhart explanation that finally makes sense, because none of that made sense for a while, and this does. He's good at one thing and one thing only, and it's eliminating memories. And I enjoy how casual he is in talking about it. True, he intends to wipe their memories too, but he just describes this as just like an ordinary day at work. That yeah, I've been obliterating memories of dozens of people over the course of years, stealing their accomplishments and leaving them in probably a semi-permanent, confused, or at least gap in knowledge state. Yeah, what do you do for a living? It's got a little bit of a Cosby vibe going on. It's not on, Drew. Oh. 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 That is dark, but we just just talking about murder, so I guess it's on theme. <laughs> As for dumb ideas... What has to take the cake for this entire damn chapter is, why do they bring Lockhart? What purpose at all do they have for bringing Lockhart? Sure, they're going originally to him because they think he's going already. But then they find out he isn't, and then they find out, proving their prior beliefs, that he's an utter fraud, and just tried to attack them! Why are you bringing an active prisoner who means you ill on a mission to go confront a basilisk? What's the point in that? That just seems to, to invite exactly what happens, and luck is on their side that the wand that he chooses to use explodes rather than ends their mission and probably their lives. This was a dumb. What, uh, what other 
teachers are you going to have accompany you in the hallways? What use is he? Well, Spencer, this is obviously a a plot point that they have to somehow get Lockhart to lose his memory. I understand that. (laughs) That works. It will probably be funny going forward. This seems a little bit pat in terms of how they chose to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a rather cool way to limit access to the Chamber of Secrets, though. Having it be an enchantment that's tied to... Okay, correct me if I'm wrong here. Parcel tongue is the language, and he and Harry is a parcel mouth? Yes. Is that how it works? Okay. From what we've heard before and have previously established, that's a clever way of doing this, because it's very rare and is a hallmark of House Slytherin, particularly... um, What was the name of the founder of the house? Salazar. Salazar. Salazar Salazar Mm -hmm. Slytherin. Particularly him himself. So it would make sense to have that kind of limitation. I find it a little hard to believe, but again, I'm guessing magic can explain this, that there can just be a big gap in the wall and a secret passage that nobody knows about or could just find by a degree of radar through the walls. But okay. I feel like the whole, like, all of Hogwarts is predicated on hidden things being hidden when they should be hidden and not when they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, like, you'd just be able to wander into other common rooms. Yeah. Right. And and I will say that, like, this is one of those scenes that, like, d- maybe doesn't translate as well onto the page, but actually makes more sense <laughs> in the movies. Really? In terms of how the passage opens up? Or yeah. Appears? Yeah. Um, because essentially, like, the whole d- structure that is holding up the sinks on which the tap on which the scratching of the snake is sort of melt into the floor opening up a giant pipe that presumably all of the sinks are draining into. So mm-hmm. I feel like we should do a, a Harry Potter watch at some point because oh, yes. from like the things <laughs> that I've sure, seen, yeah. I think I think the movies do and I'm sorry, Sarah, but like in some ways a better job of um showing like the coolness of Hogwarts than the descriptions that we get in the books. No, I think that's I think that's fair. I think a lot of the movies really do capture the sort of like actual environment in ways that the books just can't, right? Um, I was going to ask you, and I'm sorry to interrupt your um, newbie's notes, Spencer, no, but I wanted to ask you, um, do you all know who plays Lockhart in the movies? I remember looking it up and now I don't remember. Kenneth Branagh. Um, yeah. Uh, didn't we discuss that previously? Noted Shakespearean actor. I'm not sure if we did or not. Yeah, I, 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 I was uh, looking for artistic depictions of him, and I saw like 35 pictures of Kenneth Branagh. I was like, well, that's interesting. Maybe they're just all saying it looks like him. No, no, it is him, which is a fascinating yeah. role for him to play. You know, really come to think of it, from what I know of the actors that were cast for roles, it seems like they put on a pretty all-star cast for the Harry Potter oh, movies. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure he had a blast playing that role. It seems like it would be cool. Um, well, that, that, is, that is for me for Newbie's Notes. I have a variety of questions that we will go into here in a moment. But as said, I don't think this was a bad chapter. I just think it was maybe... <laughs> it, it's just an example of where the author has decided that the plot needs to be wrapped up. And I'm seeing too many of the strings of that process. Yeah, they come, they come together very quickly in the end, which is... I can see how that would be frustrating. Um, so are we ready for some house believe- points? We were ready for some house points, and you've got a few more characters to work with here, I think. I I do. Um, I am going to award... I realize I am going a little outside of my own rules, but clearly Hermione has to be the winner here, despite the fact that she is <sighs> petrified. But she was right, damn it. <laughs> I, 
I very much agree. I think that's a solid choice. I also agree with Ron that she is going to be utterly horrified if she wakes up now and finds out she's got exams in three days. Yes. But that's, again, a future Hermione that's problem. That's a future right Hermione now, she's problem. Right. But she was right, and she has literally just driven the plot forward. Oh, again. Yeah. As Hermione as does. As she does. That's... Um, so I, yeah, I also don't know who else would actually be a winner in this situation. Like, everybody else is kind of muddling along, except... For Gilderoy Lockhart, who has a very bad chapter. <laughs> oh, yes. He thought he was going to have out. a good chapter. Yeah, he thought everything was going to go exactly how he thought it was going to go. Um, and he thought he might have another book to kind of play out of this whole thing. Uh, but he got found out, BJ, to your point. Um, and then he got sort of blasted with somebody else's wand. Not great. No, n- none of those... Oh, come on, PJ. Uh, yeah, none of this worked out well for him. The closest he had to a win was how fast he was able to pack up to try to flee, and even that didn't work out that well. Yeah, and I mean, I would I would give it, I would give the uh, loser of house points to Jenny Weasley, but all of that happened off, like, off camera. So I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that, and we also don't really know what's going on with her yet. No, I mean, it's it's a weird situation with her where she definitely could be the loser. She also could be the winner in the sense that she apparently may have found out key information that led her individually to be kidnapped. We don't know. Well, yeah, we... That's a really big unanswered yeah, question. Yeah, I think too many questions around her, but um, end of the chapter, Lockhart, not great. <laughs> well, he did finally find out that there is one area of magic he is good at. Well, I mean, he knew that. <laughs> he was very I mean, well aware of that. <laughs> But had we previously been made aware that he was good at anything? No, we, did, we didn't know that he was good at anything. Clearly he had to be good at something, though, because he had, like, gotten the fame. He's good at self-promotion. I think we've confirmed that part before. Yes, but the actual method of that self-promotion, a little unclear. And we did figure that out. Um, but I would, I would say that it came back to bite him on the ass. <laughs> Just a bit. Um... Which, if you're done, I think I can lead into my first question, I think, for uh, grilling you from Please here. Please do. Uh, are memory charms permanent? Can they be treated or can they be dispelled? Um, no, they are actually permanent. That's kind of yeah, scary. Yeah, no, and so we get, I mean, memory charms from this point on become sort of a key point part of the series. Um, and you can't do anything to, you can't do anything to actually reverse them. Presumably, if you are actually using them responsibly, you can kind of target what what memories you're actually erasing. Like they can actually be pretty pretty targeted in what you do if you're trying to be careful. Um, you know, I think what what we come to find out is like Lockhart doesn't necessarily try to be careful with them because he's not expecting to ever see or interact with the people he's dealing with again. Um, so we got. I think we got a little bit of a discussion of memory charms uh, and and how they're used in the Ministry of Magic, specifically at the beginning of this book, when the Ministry of Magic had to go in and give and and cast memory charms on all of the Muggles who had seen the flying car, mm-hmm. and presumably they are doing that in a very sort of like exact way to only take out the memories of the flying car. So that these people can go on with their everyday lives without all of their family and friends asking questions about what the hell happened to them. So can I have all of you muggles take a look at my wand right here for just a minute? Okay. <sighs> what you saw was light from Mars Swamp- reflecting off of... <laughs> yes. Swamp gas. 
Um, I did just look up when Harry Potter came out, and it is 100% possible that she saw Men in Black in theaters. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I know what I can do. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, that's there. Yeah. Now, now I'm now imagining the Ministry of Magic uh, in going to the Muggle world, attempt to dress like Muggles by just putting on the, the, the outfits of the Men in Black thing. Well, that's what regular humans wear, right? <laughs> we saw this. <laughs> We've got a guide. This is a how-to. Oh, but I yeah, mem- if they memory wear charms bowlers instead of ray bands. <laughs> That's that is a thousand percent, I'm sure, true. Um, although they might be lime green, so we're not. Oof. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, memory charms are like a, a big thing, and they're actually like I don't know, they're pretty insidious. Yeah, really. If, hearing that, that they can't be reversed; they are permanent. That really makes his actions all the more villainous that he's been doing this for just like years mm-hmm. and so casually too. Yeah, I feel like my. Um, my joke was fairly on point. <laughs> you, got, you got a question, BJ? Um, I have I have weird questions for you, Sarah. Okay. When was McGonagall at Hogwarts as a student? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Okay. Um, because I mean, like McGonagall's age. I mean, she's clearly like late. I I would say my impression from the books, and you all can dispute me if you'd like but my impression from the books is that she's like a late middle-aged mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i guess it's like i'm trying to figure out like was she there around when the chamber of secrets was open the last time yeah. and like it, it's kind of like a. and if she wasn't like did she learn a, it, it just seems like yeah. a weird thing because she like a bunch of the professors should be a little bit more aware of what's going on than otherwise yeah. or they should be younger well uh, yeah we'll, that's true we'll, we'll, let's we'll, let's put together what we know we know that hagrid and, um was a student there. yeah so mm-hmm. hagrid we know would have that... been about 60 it, or hagrid now is about 62 because he was mm. well he might be 63 or 64 because he was expelled in his third year i believe mm-hmm. and this was 50 and, years ago right Dumbledore was a middle-aged enough professor at the time. <laughs> yeah, we tried he's, this. Math he's about a hundred now. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's. I think you previously said that giants are remarkably long-lived mm-hmm. in a way that you know regular humans aren't. So she may have just been too young to be there. If she's like you know early late fifties, early sixties, she may have been not even uh, old enough to get admitted into the university into the school. That's yet. true. So if she were if she were I like late fifties, maybe. But she's the head of Gryffindor from 75 to 98, according to the internet. Mm. And so, like... She could have been a prodigy. Well, and and what gets, like, difficult is that... What gets difficult in my calculations is that she's played by Maggie Smith in the movies. Um, so right. she's obviously <laughs> older. Yeah, Maggie Smith would have been in, what, her late 60s, early 70s at that Maybe time? Maybe she was out of Hogwarts. Hold on, what if she was... Um, what if she was 20? Earlier. She could be 70 yeah. now. Sure. And yeah, then she wouldn't she would have graduated been there. already. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the better possibility. Mm-hmm. I think the math works out either way, that there's ways that she could have not been present or in a position to even make much of a note yeah, of it. Because it's, yeah, because I mean, it certainly seems that like the whole thing was sort of covered up within Hogwarts, not unlike the present situation is being covered up within Hogwarts to the extent that they can. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, that that is an interesting question, though. I hadn't, like, tried, BJ, I hadn't tried to suss out how old McGonagall actually is in the books, particularly, and where that yeah, puts and I guess people. It's... Yeah, because I would assume that Flitwick, 
Flitwick might be younger. Ed Benz is a ghost and doesn't care. <laughs> so apparently she and Sprouts, Professor Sprout, were buddies. While they were in school? And overlapped. Okay. Yes. But I can't, like, I can't. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> get everybody, like, see where everybody was because you're, it's you're like... making a chart. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually making a chart, like, like Aww. some of your notes. But it's kind of like one of those, okay, so who knows what and right. when did they know and also who who would have been her friend that like now elicits this uncharacteristic reaction perhaps mm-hmm. yeah that's so, interesting oh yeah um, what <laughs> did she know Mo- moaning myrtle could this have been a yeah, thing that's not that's not the thought in my mind everyone's connected um, yeah i don't i don't know because it also like obviously like 50 years isn't that long of a time and so obviously even within the school, what actually happened with the Chamber of Secrets, the, like the rote was it was Hagrid. Mm-hmm. And that's just where we ended up. And the, the creature just escaped? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, Spencer, I, I'll turn my questions back to you. Can, can you just tell us what Percy's secret is? Is it that big of a spoiler? No, it's actually, it's not a spoiler. We, we get told later in the book, but like it, it's not a big plot spoiler. Percy has a girlfriend. Oh! Mm-hmm. The rake! I, I bet she's a... Ravenclaw. She is a Ravenclaw. Her name is uh, Penelope Clearwater, and she was petrified, um, which is why Percy Ow. was upset when Penelope Clearwater was petrified. Um, so but it, no, he had a girlfriend, and he was caught. Jenny caught him snogging her in a room. <laughs> snogging is such an interesting <laughs> phrase because it makes it sound so much worse than it actually is. <laughs> they were kissing in an abandoned classroom. I was going to say, Spencer, would you prefer heavy petting? Oh, God. No, not really. It's no better. It's much worse, actually. Um, uh, yeah. Light petting. So, man, w- was she actually going out to see him at the time? Um, no, I don't I don't think so, because it would have been in the middle of the day, because she was the one that Hermione was with when the, they both got petrified together, right? Right. Yeah, yeah no, I think that was, that was kind of the middle of the day, and she was just kind of going about her business as far as as far as i know i mean who knows she's a ravenclaw and it was near the library so Eh. (laughs) checks out so i have i have a maybe spoilery question but it's not plot spoilery is she also the worst (laughs) are all prefects the worst um this seems to be a sort of sweet summer romance we don't get a lot about penelope clearwater going forward from this point okay so tell me more, tell me more didn't really help. Okay, yeah, no, sponsor. No, no. I, think, I think we're, if I remember correctly, they might still be together next year. I don't know, but she's not like a thing. Is there any like rule in place that prevents prefects or head boys and girls from engaging in a relation? Oh no, this is just I mean, Percy. Why is, uh, this is just Percy being his mm-hmm. usual prickly self. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we got another question, BJ? Uh, I have so many more questions, but I think I, I can save them because I don't think that they're relevant to this chapter. <laughs> okay. Um, is there an in-text or either fan explanation for the spider addition to the Basilisk myth? Because it's it's an it seems like a bit of a random ad. Um, that's an I, I'm not sure. There might be a fan explanation for it that I don't I don't know about. Um. You know, I would guess I would guess that within this book, the explanation is there had to be like something, some sort of creature that was going to 
pin it on Hagrid. And if the sort of basil- basilisk lore is has to do with the roosters and some of the other things that we heard about, it's not like another scary creature that we can just get to, True. right? I mean, this, the, the anti-basilisk creatures, according to myth, are roosters and weasels, neither of which necessarily work for how the spiders are used here. Um, so, I, you know, I think within the book, it's probably that. I will say, and I don't, I don't think that this is... No, this isn't a spoiler of, like, a plot point. The spiders... Aragog comes up again. And is, really? like, a plot point going forward. Not for a couple of books, but I think everything that I've read about the way that um, that J.K. Rowling actually wrote these books is that she had the kind of places that she was going to get to, and, like, they were pretty well mapped out going forward, mm-hmm. and Aragog comes up again in ways that make sense. Spencer. I almost find it weirder if he didn't, yeah. how big of a deal they've been set up mm-hmm. so far. I, yeah, sorry, BJ. I am very disappointed in you. Me? Yes. So. How so? So there, there is stuff on the internet about Harry Potter and Basilis and spiders, but that's not why I'm disappointed in you. And I will give you the information that is on Stack Exchange um, about that. Stack Exchange? Yes, sir. Okay, um, we're going to a very accredited sources here, but go on. Spencer, you've clearly not done any programming in your life because it is a very <laughs> useful source. Anyway. Um, useful, I'm not disputing. Uh, so the the biggest thing that they have is spiders have many unclosable eyes. And therefore, it's very problematic oh. when... That works. That works. Okay. Um, but They can see a lot and they can't blink. Yes. But that is not why I'm disappointed in you. Why I'm disappointed <laughs> in you is... This quote that I will read to you. The idea of spiders fleeing basilisks is hardly a new one. In Bullfinch's mythology, a 19th century retelling of classical mythology, we find the following passage. The basilisk was of some use after death. Thus we read that its carcass was suspended in the Temple of Apollo and in private houses as a sovereign remedy against spiders, and that it was also hung up in the Temple of Diana, for which reason no swallow ever dared enter the sacred place. I read a lot, and I never heard that. Wow. That seems like something like an 18th century guy said, I'm going to make up some classical myth right now. I was going to say, I feel like you should have read Bullfinch's mythology, because that is what, like, one not read... two or three of the big mythology books... I have not read Bullfinch's mythology. Well. Hence my disappointment. I aim to disappoint you constantly, BJ. When we finish Harry Potter, we can go to Bullfinch's mythology. (laughs) Our next book. You 100% will not have me on that pod. (laughs) (laughs) You can read the Cimmerillion while we do, BJ. (laughs) Um, Other Um, questions? BJ, unless you have any more, I've got a couple more. Go for it. Uh, Is there a reason that we get why the Basilisk isn't just eating people it it's a real big snake that has venomous bite and all kinds of other things why is it just relying on its stare from what we've heard harry looking into its thoughts or hearing what it's saying it really wants to rip and tear and murder why isn't it why is it just content to just walk the halls and when people stare at it have them be petrified rather than even dead um so i think they taste better that way (laughs) i think we'll get maybe a little more satisfying answer to that later I don't know. It's a little bit of projection, but I do think <laughs> that what we what we do know about each of the times that people were found petrified is that they were found almost immediately afterwards, right? Which is another. It, it's a convenient 
it's a convenient excuse, but like within the book, they were found almost immediately afterwards. Like people were not waiting overnights, overnight or anything like that. Um, but I think that this also has to do with the idea that of why nobody figured out that it was a basilisk because nobody had seen anything moving <laughs> around. And like, I don't, I don't know if it's in the book or if it's the movies that I'm quoting, but it's like a dirty great snake. Somebody would have seen it moving around. Right. It's a fair point. You wouldn't expect a 20 foot plus long snake to be just the master of disguise and hiding. And so, you know, the idea that it has been essentially a whole school year at this point, that this basilisk has been moving around and petrifying people, while maybe not it's like a main objective, is, um, you know, it it is interesting that also within a whole school year, no one has seen it. And so I think that there, whoever, whatever is like causing this basilisk to do what it does and has let it out again, is more interested in preserving the secrecy of the basilisk than actually murdering somebody. Right. This isn't just a wild creature that's been let loose and is acting of its own free will. This is a creature on a leash that has a specific purpose attached yeah, to it. Yeah, and it certainly, like, at least at this point, it seems that it is doing a real good job of, like, instilling terror in the school population. Right. It, yeah. From what we see this chapter, if the end goal here is to get Hogwarts closed, kudos, you've done this very mm -hmm. well. All right, well... Last question for me is, um, what we hear here that the reason that each of these characters survived was that they had some means of deflection or something that was in the way to prevent direct view. Mm -hmm. Do we get do we get more guidance of either magical standpoint or otherwise about what level was required? I mean, if, if, if literally looking through a camera is enough, are Harry's glasses enough protection to stop him from the basilisk gaze? Um, so they're, they're not, is I think the answer... Well, I mean, I guess maybe they are, but like we don't maybe we don't get an actual that. answer to that. Cool uh, shades. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think that they would be enough. We don't get we don't get the sort of like a lower limit of what is actually necessary, um, but we do get more more instances of how one might go about dealing with uh, dealing with the basilisk gaze. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, we we established a low level of apparently a cat can look through water and that's enough to protect it. There's a variety of ways to not die here, even if petrification is not that great of an alternative. Sure. All right. That, I think that's enough for me. I I think we have been set up for what is going to be an exciting last chapter. Is this the last chapter or do we have two left? I think we might have two left. This is paced like the last book. We've got the chapter where all the plot happens and then we've got an epilogue <laughs> after that. That seems I'm right. Guessing. Let's see. So we have um, the heir of Slytherin next. We have the heir of Slytherin next. Oh, and then we have chapter eighteen, Dobby's reward. And that wraps us that up. That wraps us up. We have two more chapters. Why in the hell was Dobby being rewarded for what happened in this book? Well, to be determined. He's I done n nothing useful. <laughs> He's only inflicted pain and harm. I mean, it depends who he he's being rewarded by. Valid point. Valid point. He's been much more successful than anyone else previously in nearly killing Harry Potter. I mean, Ron's done a pretty good job, I feel like. <laughs> Fair. All right. All right. So, Arrow Slytherin next week. Yep. Uh, what the hell is this picture on the cover of that chapter? Is that what a journal getting stabbed with a tooth and bleeding? Yeah. With feathers? Yes. Yeah, you have actually accurately sussed out what that is. I've said words. I've got no idea what they mean in combination. Aren't you excited well, to know how we get there? 
why there was a journal being stabbed with a tooth and bleeding with feathers raining down on top, that yes, I am fascinated for how that's going to be explained. I feel like you have some foreshadowing that might help you with that. This is me you're talking to. I'm going to understand it about two days after you explain it. Well, you'll have to read it first, so. <laughs> well, until then, everybody.